Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Thursday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Two more weeks. And, and I'm not wishing away the last two weeks before the start of the college football season. I know everybody's looking forward to it. We're looking forward to it. You're looking forward to it. it, it everybody's on the same page. But I'm not wishing away the last two weekends because usually these are – you know, a little slower. It's about to get busy. You're about to have a ton going on. And so you can knock out some projects you need to, or you can take that last trip that you need to, or, you know, what, whatever it is that you got going on. I'm, I'm not wishing them away, but I do look forward to two weeks from today. Um, uh, restarting a tradition of saying welcome to the weekend on Thursday because I always feel like once you get to college football season, it feels like the weekend starts on Thursday. You certainly get games on Thursday. I know a lot of people still have to go to work on Friday, but a lot of people don't. They, they figure out a way to slip out early on Friday or take a day off, or maybe they're conducting business from the golf course or traveling to a road game, whatever it is. It just feels different once we get to the fall and you get to Thursday afternoon. Two weeks from today, we'll have plenty of football. we got football tonight, if if that's your thing, with the uh, the NFL preseason. Some kind of fascinating storylines and a whole lot of other stuff. We've, uh, we've got plenty to get to this afternoon. Glad to be with you. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the, uh, is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at PearlRiverResort.com. Excuse me. Uh, you can jump on the ceasefire text line if you'd like, 601-879-4395. Let us hear from you what's on your mind, what you've got going this afternoon. Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, good afternoon to the two of you as well. For you, Brian Haydad, it really is welcome to the weekend. Like, you got three yeah. hours, and then you're out of here until Monday going to dawdle, just try to get through this. You know, nothing worse than the day before the day off. It's like, oh, do, I have, do I have to be here? Uh, that's right. I, I forgot how difficult and taxing and mentally draining and physically exhausting this job is. No doubt. 
it, 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 it's, it's a grind, but I get through it every day for you guys out there. Yeah. Th- thanks for being the uh, the tough guy. Thomas and Greenwood, why is my feed full of blindside stuff? Why is this a big story? It was an incredibly popular movie. Sandra Bullock won an Oscar. Like, it, it when I was moving to Mississippi, people were like, oh, blindside. Like, it was a worldwide phenomenon, and a lot of people, whether right or wrong, took the story at face value when they watched that movie. And so even, regardless of how you feel about the family-slash-not-family feud that's going on, and the ugliness of litigation between people that have had long-standing relationships for over two decades... Finding out that actually he was a really good football player before they took him in is surprising people this week. It, it is. It probably shouldn't, but it is. I think the the real answer to why this is filling up your feed, though, Thomas, is because there's nothing else going on. We're two weeks away from the start of the football season. If this story had popped two weeks later, you'd get a day of it. Right, you get a day of Michael Orr and his story and filing the lawsuit. You get a day of the Tui's response, and then I feel like everybody would just kind of move on because there'd be a whole lot of other stuff to talk about. But right now, you don't have a ton of other stuff. I mean, your headline on ESPN right now is is a Yankees thirty year streak of being over five hundred late in the season coming to an end. They're terrible. They're just terrible. You got some NBA stuff. Borky had a buddy text me today, said, hey, be sure Borky knows that the uh, Grizzlies and the uh, Pelicans are playing each other in the season opener. Season opener and uh, John Morant's first game back from uh, Flashing Guns on Instagram suspension. Will also be in New Orleans nationally televised. His first game back after that But not in the season opener. He won't play in the season opener, but just, Yeah. yeah. So the first game and then the job back game. Again, for flashing weapons on Instagram Live, uh, will be uh, against New Orleans. Okay, that's uh, that's good to uh, good to know. Ceasefire text line: What happens to Orr when his claims are proven to be false? Nothing. The story goes away. Damn the two. He's already admitted that it is a conservatorship and not an adoption. I feel like his claims have been proven. Yeah, they've been proven to be true. That that's not the crux of this. The crux of this uh, is that he's trying to sue them to get money. Yeah. What what he's claiming is that he didn't know that it was a conservatorship, and nobody has ever explained that to him. And that part of it kind of appears to be false. But I, whatever, I'm I'm like. So weird. Yeah, I was talking to a friend last night because uh, he he, this guy I haven't talked to in a while, and he was like, "So what's your opinion on it?" And I said, "Man, I'll tell you, but I'm so talked out of it. Uh, just I, I, I don't care. I I don't care. Is that bad that I don't care? I, I just I couldn't possibly care less about again a family feud and litigation behind it. I don't know. I mean, we talked about it because we should, and it's a big story because it is, especially because of." The popularity of the movie and where we sit, but on this Thursday, I'm I just don't care anymore. Unless something new happens, I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm done. Yeah, 
Yeah, something new happens, I'll laugh again. But uh, until then, it just is the same old story. Uh, otherwise, your jokes are not funny otherwise, anymore, and so you're just ready no, there's, to... No, 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 they're still funny. But I just, you know, I've, I've told them all at this point. Jeff, I'm going to give you some advice. So Jeff said his feed is full of the blind side and Trump getting arrested again. There is a thing on social media. I don't know about Facebook. If you're a Facebook user, I'm sure it has it, but mute. On X or Twitter or whatever Elon's calling his platform now. If you don't, if you don't want to read about Biden or Trump, go to your your, your, your preferences and, and you can mute words. So a, a specific word will never show up on your feed. So if you don't want to, to, if you hate politics, you can mute Trump and Biden and Pelosi and, and all of it, and it'll never show up on your timeline. If you just mute those words, it'll never show up. It's really nice. Just, or you can just leave a little there and stay up to date with all the stuff that's uh, that's going on. Yeah, but sometimes the stupidity of it all is exhausting. Yes. Yes. Uh, one of the headlines on on Drudge is probably not readable on the air, although it makes you laugh just uh, just a little bit. Uh, you can jump in. We do have plenty of football to talk about. Borky's countdown on days. Uh, Ten days remaining until week well, zero. See, I forgot to adjust the dates, Richard. Nine, we are on nine days. single digits. I forgot to adjust the dates on the rundown like an idiot. We are now into single digits before college football. All right, there you go. So nine days until the uh, the week zero Saturday games. Two weeks from today, it's the first Thursday night of the football season. Sixteen remaining days until Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Southern Miss kick off. The uh, NFL season begins in 22 days. And the um, season opener for the New Orleans Saints is 25 days away. So... We are almost there, getting a little bit closer each day. Um, let's talk some quarterbacks in the SEC. And the, the some of the narrative around the quarterback position in the league this year, some of it's deserved, and some of it is not necessarily deserved. So we've heard a lot of people going, oh, that's going to be a down year for quarterback play in the SEC. You don't have a ton of proven starters returning, right? I mean, Stetson Bennett the fourth is finally gone, and Bryce Young moves on, and Will Levis is gone, and, you know, just not a lot of uh, – Anthony Richardson gets drafted in the first round. Not that we were necessarily talking about Anthony Richardson in a positive way when we were talking about him last year at Florida, but when you've got – Three, four guys that have moved on to the, the NFL. There is certainly reason to have question marks about what quarterback play is going to look like in a particular conference in the following year. What do we know about the quarterbacks in the SEC? Who are the starters going to be? What's their track record like? What have they done so far? And if they're new, what do we believe they are going to be? Is this going to be a down year for quarterback play in the SEC, or are we going to get to December and go, we may not have seen that coming, but wow, what a year for quarterbacks in the Southeastern Conference. Let's pick that conversation up when we come back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studio. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. Every time I look around, yeah. 
Sports Talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports Talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on this Thursday afternoon. The topic is quarterbacks in the SEC. We uh, we get the breaking news today that Auburn has named Peyton Thorne, the transfer from Michigan State, its starting quarterback for the 2023 season. That means Robbie Ashford will not get the starting nod. That means that uh, Holton Grenier, still not sure that's how you say his last name, but close enough, um, is probably the uh, the third string quarterback in in all of this. Uh, Hugh Freeze gave you a little bit of a uh, wait. Hold on a second. Earlier in the week, when he said he was uh, he was prepared to pare down his quarterback battle to just two, but after watching their first scrimmage, he was going to have to go back and watch the tape and see if he still felt the same way. But we get the news that Peyton Thorne is the starter. At Auburn, and that is a surprise to who? Is there is there anybody that is surprised that Robbie Ashford did not win that job? Not many. Maybe no. Robbie Ashford himself. No, no one is. No. Yeah. Um, he did some good things last year, and is very athletic. And it seems like they might find a way to get him on the field, but it's not going to be how it starts. So these are the starting quarterbacks that have been named in the SEC. You, you get Auburn's just then. Graham Mertz, the Wisconsin transfer, is going to be the starter at Florida. Devin Leary, the North Carolina, um, is that right? NC State. NC, yeah. Yeah, North the Carolina NC State. State. Yeah, NC State transfer, the starter at Kentucky. Brady Cook going to be the starter at Missouri. Spencer Rattler, the Oklahoma transfer, is the starter at South Carolina. So if we're keeping track of guys that transferred in to their current place at any point, you're at Auburn, Florida, Kentucky, South Carolina. Milton will be the starter at Tennessee. He transferred in. He's a transfer. A.J. Swan at Vanderbilt. K.J. Jefferson at Arkansas. Jaden Daniels at LSU. Transfer. Transfer. Will Rogers at Mississippi State, Connor Weg, uh, Wegman at uh, Texas A&M, Jackson Dart at Ole Miss transfer, and we'll see at Alabama. So that's at minimum eight of your fourteen starters in the SEC in the SEC transferred in. It could be nine, and it could be nine. Could very well be the case. So, so like the question from before the break. A lot of talk about position being down. And I feel like we tend to say, oh, it's going to be a down year for quarterbacks in the SEC when the better explanation is there's a lot of unknown at quarterback right. going into the year 
because of the turnover that you had from one season to the next. So, first of all, do you guys agree down year for quarterback play in the SEC? There's just no superstar. There's no Bryce Young coming back. There's no Joe Burrow. Well, I mean, Joe Burrow wasn't a superstar going into his last year, but there's not a quarterback of that caliber just sitting there. Now, by season's end, Joe Milton could easily be that guy. Carson Beck could be that guy at Georgia. Uh, Whoever wins the Alabama job could be that guy. And, you know, even within, you know, Daniels, Jefferson, Dart, Rodgers, they could all have big seasons and be stars. But right now as we sit here, yeah, there's just not that proven superstar guy. If you were drafting college football quarterbacks, how many rounds would you go before you picked an SEC guy? Well, it's funny. I was going to follow up what you said with how many first-round quarterbacks are there in the SEC that are starting this year. Possibly none. Uh, I mean, possibly none. If you were going to stretch and say how many, you'd probably put Carson Beck there. Possibly. Milton has the talent to be a first-round pick. He has the talent to be the first pick. Yeah. Spencer Rattler. Got to see it, though. I've seen oh, come enough. On. I mean, two I years ago, I... people were talking about him as being the number one overall pick. And so I'm just saying, he a lot of things happened two years into ago. that conversation. I think at this point, you kind of just, Spence Rattler is what he is at this point. Well, what is he? A decent college quarterback. So you're not buying into the way that he played the last two games of the regular season a year ago? Nah, nah. Because he wasn't what great in the bowl game. I, mean, it's, you know, I just don't I just think that's Spencer Rattler. I've seen enough of his career that those are outliers. Okay. There's a chance that the roster is much deeper than it was a year ago because it's funny. You, you lose two first-round picks and a second-round pick, and and what did you lose? Honestly, what did you lose with two of those three guys? I mean, Anthony Richardson, I, I get it. He's going to start with the Colts. He's uber-talented. But did, did anything Anthony Richardson did after that spin-move pump fake thing against Utah last year in the two-point conversion, did he do anything? That made you go, wow, Anthony Richardson. Love watching this guy play. It's it's really possible that six or eight years from now, we get big, big-time revisionist history on Anthony Richardson. Yep. If he turns into a star in the NFL, former Florida quarterback Anthony, he did nothing at Florida. Stunk. Other than be yeah. really, really athletic and have – well, he played pretty well. Was it the cocktail party he played pretty well in a couple of years ago? Maybe or last year, right? It, the, I, I think it was last but, year where, where it got close there for a little bit. That was one of the games that got squirrely on Georgia there for a while. Georgia was not dominant for, for 12 games through a, a, a schedule, and that was one of those where for a little bit things got, got weird. But it just that, that's all he was. You're exactly right, man. If he's a good pro, I'll remember him at Florida. No, you don't. You didn't watch him at Florida, and if you did, you weren't impressed. And then Will Levis, same thing. I, Kentucky upgraded at quarterback, I think. I think so. They've got a quarterback that can do more. more Evan Leary is capable of doing more than Will Levis. It's a heck of a lot more accurate. A heck of a lot more. He may not have like the 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 arm strength, and he may not be as good of a runner. But they didn't run Levis that much anyway. 
And what good is arm strength if you can't put it on the on the money? And Leary's one of the more accurate passers when healthy in the game. Anthony Richardson last year in 12 games completed 54% of his passes for just over 2,500 yards with 17 touchdowns and nine interceptions. I mean, those are about the most pedestrian stats you could imagine for a starting quarterback, especially one at a place like Florida. And a day one starter in the NFL. Day one. I I could tell you those were Nick Fitzgerald's stats, and you'd buy that. Yeah, if there was 1,000 yards rushing to go with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and to me, the thing that jumps off the page more than anything else is that completion percentage because you are expected to complete passes at a very high rate in the NFL. The days of having a big statuesque starting quarterback completing 56.4% of his passes are gone. Like yeah. 70% is kind of the expectation. You gotta complete a high volume of passes. Sixty-five percent, okay, you can live with that. Much lower than that, eh? Yeah, and depending on air yards traveled and stuff, it's all analytical. But uh, the stat of the day, if we get to it, fascinates me uh, because you've got guys that are that are not athletes, air quote, that are exceptional at not taking sacks when under pressure in the NFL, and then you've got guys like Justin Fields, for example. I know he's very young. But you would think Justin Fields, well, he's probably great in the pocket because he can move. No, that's that's not what it's about. Derek Carr is not the athlete that Justin Fields is. But Derek Carr is significantly better at avoiding sacks than Justin Fields. I, I find that so interesting. It's it's all dependent on you know the, the mental side of it. Because you've got guys that are not known as athletes that are better at avoiding sacks than guys that are known as athletes. I, I, I hope we get to it because it fascinated me reading that. There's another guy I want us to talk about a little bit more. It's K.J. Jefferson. People talk so much about K.J. Jefferson. Third-year starter at quarterback, Mississippi native, big kid, hard to bring down, good arm strength, throws a pretty good deep ball. All of those things are 100% accurate. But, hey, Dad, can you use the same logic that you used with Spencer Rattler for K.J. Jefferson? Have you seen enough of his career that what you've seen is what you're going to get? And and I'll, I, I will extrapolate on why I'm asking that question when we come back. Because there's some numbers where you go freshman, year one, year two at Arkansas, big jump year three. What happened between year three and year four for K.J. Jefferson at Arkansas? We'll look at that when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We're back right after this. More Sports Talk Mississippi now. Now. Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk.tv. 
Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by M Trade Park. Find them online at mtradepark.com. When you're getting ready for the fall season, be it baseball, softball, or soccer, know that you got tournaments that are happening at M Trade Park in Oxford. You can find the full schedule of events on their website, mtradepark.com. You got 14 fields, baseball, softball fields, all with synthetic turf infields, natural grass outfields. Rain is never an issue. You just keep on playing as long as there's not lightning. And the soccer fields are mm, chef's kiss. They are ready. They are pristine. They are perfect. They are finely cut for the fall soccer season. And then rolling into some flag football in the fall as well. All right, you can learn about all of that at mtradepark.com. If you're going to play, play mtrade. Do you realize this is K.J. Jefferson's fifth season in Arkansas? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if people had lost track of that or not. So in 2019. I remember him playing uh, against Mississippi State in 2019. There you go. This is he, Bo Nix's 50th season of college football. He's collecting like he's retirement. Good for him. He's on the all-Madkin team. Honestly, if he has been going to school the whole time like football players do, I mean, you know, summer, like the extra sessions, all that, he should be working on his third degree by now. In truth, though, it's year five for Bo Nix, right? He was three years at Auburn and two years at Oregon. It just feels like a, it's like when guys play early, it feels like yeah. they've been there forever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, his first his first game was the Oregon game in 2019. Oddly enough, is Oregon 2019. Yeah. Um. All right, so 2019 season, KJ Jefferson played in three games with one start, and he completed 45 percent of his passes. 2020. COVID year, played in five games, had one start, completed 49% of his passes. That was the sample size that we had as we were rolling into K.J. Jefferson's time as a starter in the 2021 season. This guy can't complete passes. Turned out Kendall Bryles was a bit of a miracle worker in dealing with K.J. Jefferson. And... He completed 67% of his passes. In 13 starts, he threw for 2,676 yards, and he was about 5-1 to one touchdown to interception. 21 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. And he did basically the same thing last year. Played in 11 games with 11 starts, completed 68%, 2,648 yards, 24 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. So, hey, Dad, I'm going back to the question of, what you were saying about Spencer Rattler earlier. You've seen enough of Spencer Rattler that you think you know what he is. Mm-hmm. Are the last two years, the last 24 starts for K.J. Jefferson, enough to make you believe that, okay, this is a guy that's going to complete 65% plus of his passes, probably not going to throw for 3,000 yards, not going to turn it over a whole lot, Going to be effective in the run game, average about 60 yards per game on the ground. But that's kind of what he's going to do. He's not going to go out and throw for 3,800 yards and 32 touchdowns with only four interceptions and have 1,000 yards rushing. Especially in, in a Dan Enos system, I don't think it's going to be as explosive as Kendall Browse's was. So, yeah, I mean... It's not a great apples to apples comparison because I never would have. I don't think KJ Jefferson's a first round quarterback, and that's what you were asking me about Spencer Rattler. I, I just don't see that at all. Yeah. KJ Jefferson. Now look, could KJ Jefferson be like Jalen Hurts in a couple of years and just 
all of a sudden he's the best quarterback in pro football or close to it somehow? Yeah, maybe, but I don't think so. But he is a very, very good college quarterback. He fit like a glove in that Brile system. And what you brought up earlier, a lot of people still have that memory. A lot of people think that K.J. Jefferson is an inaccurate passer. The stats the last two years show you that that is not the case. He's been very good. And I expect him to have a good season this year. I voted him as my first-team All-SEC guy, and I expect him to, to, to be along that lines of production this year. Basically seven out of every ten balls that leave his hand are caught by somebody. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's the math on, on K.J. Jefferson for the last two seasons. Hit you with a little trivia. Do you think K.J. Jefferson last year had more games where he threw for over 250 yards or where he threw for under 200 yards? He battled injuries throughout the season. I I might take the under. It was a little bit of a trick question in that it's the exact same. He had four games. You lied to me, Cross. I know, I know. It wouldn't have mattered which direction you went. But but he had four games where he threw for over 250 yards. Knocked my phone off the charger with that. 385 against Missouri State, 367 against BYU. 284 against Liberty, 287 against Kansas. He did not have a game against an SEC opponent where he threw for more than 250 yards last year. He had four games where he was under 200 yards. 162 against South Carolina, 171 against Texas A&M, 168 against Ole Miss, 155 against Alabama. Let's see. They won the game against Ole Miss. They lost to Alabama, competitive for a little while. They lost to A&M. What did they do against South Carolina last year? That was early. Did Arkansas win that game? They won that game. Almost positive. So they went two and two. Boy, I had a device. They went two and two in the games where he threw for less than 200 yards. They did win that game. And they went one, two, three. And they went four and oh in the games where he threw for over 250. I don't know what that means. I just was kind of buried in the statistics a little bit and, and found that. He also had two games where he rushed for over 100 yards. One of those was against Kansas in the, uh, in the bowl game where he went for 130. The other was against Texas A&M. Had 105 yards in, uh, in that game. He wasn't over 100 against Ole Miss. I'm surprised. He had 47. I guess that was all. I just recall him having some big runs in that game. That's, that's okay. Yeah, but they were like third and long move the chains runs, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Okay. Um, I've kind of tried to Sanders did most of, of the heavy lifting. From, I mean... <laughs> You just have to forgive me if the details are a little it's sketchy. I have uh, I have hit Control Alt Delete on on those. All right. When, just, when, when you say when you when Richard drives through Arkansas, he just has this thousand yard stare at all times. He's just like you, you hear the sounds of silence in the background. Yeah. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Um, yeah. 
No, Raheem Sanders went for like 230 in that game, didn't he? Yeah. It was a big night. Yeah. Anyway, so if not K.J. Jefferson, you said you voted in first-team quarterback in the SEC. Mm-hmm. If not K.J., then who? Jaden Daniels. Going to Joe Milton? No, I went Jaden Daniels as my second-team guy, just as proven commodities go. Yeah. Um, Milton is the guy that we could look up at the end of the year and he's thrown for 3,800 yards, 35 touchdowns, five picks, and everybody's like, that's 1-1. That's, that's the guy this year. Came out of nowhere, and just because he has the physical tools, he just needs to show that he can do it for a full season. Um, so, But Daniels was my second or guy. I just, I just feel way. like the consistency. And we could be reminded could go the other way and he, a job. And he's not starting by the end of the year, and they've gone to the, uh, the freshman. So, you know, he, he he's you know definitely some some high risk, high reward uh, situation there. Give me the quarterback right now that is expected to start. And, and again, that list is Graham Mertz at Florida, Devin Leary at Kentucky, Brady Cook at Missouri, Spencer Rattler, Joe Milton, AJ Swan at Vandy, KJ Jefferson, Peyton Thorne at Auburn, Jaden Daniels LSU, Will Rogers Mississippi State, Connor Wegman Texas A and M. Even though it's not official, I'm giving you Jackson Dart, Ole Miss, and Carson Beck, Georgia. We don't have a starter for Alabama yet. Oh. And that's like a true – Right, that's the only one. Lane Kiffin seemed to have uh, – I don't know if it's politicking, and I don't know who he's talking to. Or maybe he's telling the truth, but uh, really talked about how it, not naming a starter yet doesn't know who his quarterback is going to be, and Spencer's done some nice things, and – he, he did all that today. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to uh, let you hear from Lane Kiffin a little bit later in the, uh, in the show this afternoon. Of those quarterbacks, we got 13 mm-hmm. or 14 starters that are either named or highly suspected. Which one are we not talking about a lot right now that everybody – either is going to be talking about or very likely could be talking about at the end of the season. Who's a little below the radar going into the year that has a chance to pop this season, and at the end we're like, well, we know what the storyline for that team is going into next year. Sports Talk Mississippi will wrap up the 3 o'clock hour with you coming up next in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Exciting news. Brace yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. All right, so the question on the table as we wrap up this 3 o'clock hour, the first hour of the show on this Thursday afternoon. Who's the quarterback that's kind of off the radar in the SEC going into the year that we could be talking about as a superstar at the end of the season? Uh, my answer is Connor both, I'm assuming y'all are both going to say Graham Mertz, right? <laughs> no. He's gonna be. My, my answer is uh, 
My answer is Connor Wiegman. Ton of talent around him. I mean, a chance to, if the talent plays to the level it's capable of and the coaching delivers for it with Petrino's offense, that is a quarterback friendly offense. He should have a big season. It's just a question of does Jimbo Fisher let that happen? Is that a quarterback friendly offense? Uh, Ryan Mallett and Tyler Wilson would tell you that it was. Yeah, I mean, assuming that it is Bobby Petrino's offense and not Jimbo Fisher's offense. That's what I'm I saying, th- yeah. I think you're going to still that's, see that's Jimbo the, That's Fisher's, the distinction. Yeah, I understand. I think you're still going to see Jimbo Fisher's offense, but with Bobby Petrino's spin on it. Well, Petrino's a good enough play caller that I, I, I'm going to have some, some faith in him, assuming he's allowed to do his, his thing. And we'll know early. We'll know in the first couple games. That's a gigantic assumption, but I'm with you. A talent, talented kid for sure. Does Leary count? Yeah. Does he count? He can, yeah. Because I, I think that Kentucky might overachieve relative to most people's expectations for a Kentucky football team. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I tend to agree with that. He's good. That's very possible. I have expectations for him, though. So, Did you guys see, speaking of quarterback, did you all see Aaron Murray's ranking of quarterbacks? I did not. I think, I think he's got a grudge. He had Will Rogers ninth in the SEC. Mm. I think he's got a grudge. I don't think he. I think he's mad that record's going down. Who were the eight? Wigman was ahead of him. Devin Leary was ahead of him. Milton was ahead of him. Okay, Wigman. Have to go. Let me find it. But I mean. Aaron, uh, uh, unless he was ranking what he thinks they're going to end up being going into the season, Wigman's talented, but what is you he? Can't, you cannot rank him ahead of Will Rogers no. based on anything that we have seen so far. It just says the SEC quarterback list: Daniels, Jefferson, Leary, Dart, Rattler, Beck, Milton, Wigman, Rogers, Swan. He went Simpson for Bama. Peyton Thorne, Brady Cook, Graham Mertz. Carson Beck has never taken a meaningful college snap before. He I, may, I he think Aaron Murray's he's got, got a great grudge. He, he's my him. answer to the question, by the way. My, my initial thought was Connor Wigman. And it's actually like people are talking about Carson Beck. Because he's Georgia's quarterback. Yeah. Okay. Now they're talking about him in terms of, well, we don't know. But they're talking about him at least. I don't feel like anybody's talking about Wigman. Mm-mm. No, it's it's definitely flying below the radar, and certainly yeah. nobody's talking about Graham Mertz. So if he if he becomes what he was in that very first game that he played at Wisconsin, they got Wisconsin fans all hot and bothered, all excited about yeah. the uh, the future of of their program with the highest ranked quarterback commitment in the history of the program. If he returns to that guy, well, it was a good year for Florida. I just don't think anybody believes that's what's going to happen in Gainesville. Though Borky, I mean, he's even got a lunch bet on it with Hey Dad. Brother, I don't know uh, how you cannot think that I'm going to be right after the news of yesterday. I hate to tell you, Cam Rising's going to play in that game. He's not even practicing. Don't care. He, he physically cannot practice. The game is two weeks away. And yeah. he physically cannot practice because of a knee injury. Dude, he might, they could take his knee out. He is he tough could, as can be. He could only have one knee. 
and you're not keeping him out of that game. He's playing in that game. And they're going to lose? Nah. Well, nah. hey, they, they, all they have to do is cover seven and a half. So. Yeah. Oh, is it seven or seven and a half? I thought I got the hook. the hook there. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. I'm not worried about it. They're going to win by, they'll win by 10 He plus. limps onto the field in the fourth and, and leads a touchdown drive. The extra point is good. I still win. Florida's not going to score more than 14 points in this game. Ooh, that's another one. Ooh. I just don't I don't have any faith in them. You, you want to double down on the lunch bet with total points scored by one team? I'll take the over on 14. That's a silly number. I'm not going to give you just 14 points. You put it out there. It was your number. Yeah, I'm just you telling you what I think. It's what I think. I'm not doing that. Okay. All we'll right. keep it at seven and a half. Keep on letting and that and alligator mouth write checks at that hummingbird rear end doesn't want to cash. I, I hear you. It's, it's not an alligator mouth. It's the opposite of an alligator mouth. It's my ute mouth. Oh, goodness. Four o'clock hour coming up. We're going to start something what today. What the hell is a Ute? We are <laughs> going to go through all 14 teams in the SEC. Well, 12. We will pull Ole Miss and Mississippi State out. And uh, we're going to talk to somebody that covers each of those other 12 teams and kind of a final countdown to the start of the football season. We will start that with Alabama and Nick Alvarez coming up next. Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi rolling into the 4 o'clock hour on this Thursday afternoon. Thank you for being with us. With us, Let's go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Nick Alvarez covers Alabama for AL.com. We're going to start our tour through the league. We'll do it alphabetically, and then we'll move Vanderbilt around since they play a little bit earlier. So we start things off with Alabama. And, Nick, the most common question Related to Alabama is, what about the quarterback position? There's no telling how many times that has been asked in the state in which you live. Is that the most important question, though, for this Alabama team going into the start of a new year? Well, first off, thanks for having me on. Um, love that first question. Uh, I'm trying to think of a compelling argument for, like, maybe left tackle, maybe pass rusher, opposite uh Dallas, but no, overall, I think, I think the quarterback's going to be the key here. Um, because as Saban said in his very first press conference of, uh, spring, of the spring earlier this year was, you know, I like what we have around the quarterback, whoever's in there. And this is before Tyler Buckner transferred in too. So I think they have faith in the skill positions. Running back room is, you know, one of the best in the country, at least on paper heading into the year. Defense should be good and kind of reset. So I, I think the thing that kind of has Alabama fans Nervous, or maybe maybe hedging, or reflected in the number four ranking in the AP poll that came out this week is you know we don't know who's going to be under center, or rather in the shotgun. Nick and it, and you'll have to forgive me for having not watched all of Nick Saban's press conferences throughout throughout camp, but in the very first press conference, he made the big sweeping statement to all the media. He's like, "Look, I know you guys have got to ask about it, but I'm just telling you, we'll let you know when we know who is going to be the quarterback." 
So there's no reason for you to ask. We joked about that a little bit and said, well, are people going to continue to ask as well? How much has Nick Saban? Has it been every single time there's been a chance to visit with him, somebody asked the question, and is he handling that okay? So overall, I'll give Saban credit in that he's addressed it in his opening statement more times than not. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like off of my top of my head, I think he's tried to get in front of it. Uh, in, the, in the scrimmage, their first scrimmage last Saturday, uh, I had a post on the site, pretty much in the opening statement. He was like, hey, I'm not a stats guy. We're going to evaluate off the tape and decision-making. And that was in his opening statement. And that was just cut out of the way. And I think he's kind of giving those notes. I think we've tried to, as a whole beat, I think people have tried to find maybe other ways to talk about the quarterback position, whether it be you know, how that affects communication and chemistry with wide receivers you know, and get R splitting up reps. Or, you know, I tried to ask him about the leadership qualities that a quarterback has to exhibit and how the team shows that. And, you know, that led to the quote this week of him saying, you know, force me to play you. Force coaching staff to, to kind of take the bull by the horns. Another quote he had earlier about the quarterback. So I think he's done a, he's, I think he's had a, a quick trigger on it a little bit. But overall, I think he's embraced the question as much as, you know, we're not asking about specific player updates because, you know, we're not, we're not watching practice. And also – he'll defer to the group and he'll just defer to no one kind of taking the lead and other reports that people from inside the building have reflected that there hasn't really any been some separation at the top of that competition. So forgive me for belaboring the point, but I, I do kind of going back to the first question, think it's the biggest story and maybe the most important question for Alabama going into this season. I feel like for most of the, the off season post spring, we all just kind of made the assumption that Tyler Buckner Excuse me, Tyler Buckner was was the answer to the question because Tommy Reese was his offensive coordinator and because he comes in from Notre Dame and because Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow didn't do enough to, to separate themselves. Is there anything that Nick Saban has said or that has, has kind of leaked out of camp that makes you believe that, that one of these three in particular is ahead in the race? Are, are we... Are we looking at it the right way? Do you, do you think we're looking at it the way that, that Nick Saban is looking at it, knowing that we don't actually get to watch practices? I think I think Buckner was brought in. Obviously, the Tommy connection is undeniable, but I think this the depth needed for like what is this going to look like? Because regard like regardless of how it shakes out, I think Buckner has has Buckner, Milrow, and Simpson combined have fewer than five starts in their career. So if he wanted to add, I think, a body in that room, that at least knew what it was a little bit. And injuries and some play kind of derailed Buckner's Notre Dame career. I think if you had to, you know, take a poll of the room, I think Milrow would probably be the name right now. Um, really? and, but, again, I don't think there's been any, like, discernible, you know, hey, that's the guy, or, hey, get ready for this. I think it's just been – a lot of they're still waiting for someone to not emerge, but kind of just say, hey, like this is my job. And uh, Tyler Booker was on the next round yesterday, and I think he said, you know, when the defense starts recognizing, oh, this guy's on the field now, quarterback, we got to start paying attention, that's kind of the respect. That's kind of what they're waiting to see. And something that should be noted is when Saban said this, and he referenced the history of the place, which I thought was funny, you know, whoever starts against Middle Tennessee week one may not be the person who starts against Texas. <laughs> may not be the person who starts week four against Ole Miss when SEC play begins. And I think they're trying 
I don't think, if I did guess, I don't think they're going to come out like Hugh Freeze today and name a starter. Hmm. So I think that just kind of sets up more questions. And I think that sets up of, uh, that takes away a bit of their evaluation process that, you know, I won't disrespect my an, an opponent to quote Saban, but like both, at least two quarterbacks should be able to get into the game week one against NTSU. And if you want that evaluation process to keep going, if no one has taken that job, the last thing you want to do is put expectations on someone that, you know, may not have it fully sorted out yet. And we've seen that before at Alabama, right? 2015 with, with Jake Coker and Cooper Bateman and how that kind of went back and forth and it, it played out in the game against Ole Miss, which you referenced just a, a second ago. All right, so in the absence of information, sometimes people just want to fill a vacuum. And I feel like for the first time I'm hearing Dylan Lonergan's name pop up as well. It's a freshman out of Snellville, Georgia, that, you know, people think has got a big arm and a a bright future. Does he factor into this at all? I mean, is there a dark horse that nobody was talking about at the start of camp that all of a sudden is going to come in and be like, wow, who's this guy? I think that would have to be, like, a massive pat on the back to, like, Alabama PR, to, like, sources coming or sources that get leaked out if that happens, if that gets pulled off. Um, I think – the first cutoff that was made was regarding the freshman. I think this is the way Saban has talked about it. It's kind of viewed as like a three-person race. Um, you know, on media days, he said the three we have. It's always kind of been the three they've been referencing. I think it would have, like, what I will say is the freshman probably looked the best of the four quarterbacks, not counting Buckner at A-Day uh, last spring. Um, but probably Holstein looked a little better than Lonergan. But, I mean, overall, I think that has to be I mean, you, you have to you have to question the development of that room if a freshman coming in, who you know some people joked or thought had a chance to be drafted by the MLB because he's also a fantastic pitcher. If that kid comes in, who also I believe was a summer enrollee and is able to get the job, then you know what, what were you bringing Buckner in for? What is the development of Milrow like? Like he started a game and won, won you helped you in that Arkansas game last year on the road. I think like that would be an indictment on kind of where you'd want them to be progressing if a freshman can come in and take that job. Yeah, either that or he's one of the most ridiculously talented freshmen we've seen in a, a long time, if it were to play out that way. Nick Alvarez from AL.com just for a couple of minutes with us. Uh, to, to your point a second ago, with all due respect intended to Middle Tennessee, everybody's eyes are on week two, Saturday, September 9th, 6 o'clock, Texas rolling in. Can you quantify, Nick, how big that is going to feel in week two? I, the two best environments I was at last year, uh, my time on the B was Knoxville for the historic Tennessee-Alabama game, and then Texas, that place shook. Um, and I think, and that was at 11 o'clock in the dead. morning. Yeah, that was a big noon kickoff, exactly. And this is going to be prime time. Um, I, this, the, what has been said since? That game, whether it be Stark saying, you know, we didn't lose or we beat ourselves, Alabama didn't necessarily beat us, which I kind of agree with, whether it be the governor of Texas um, shouting out Melrose and saying he doesn't have a chance, Jalen Melrose, by the way, being a native of native Texan, just like what's going into that game, let alone the fact it's going to be, you know, kind of a, a sneak preview of the SEC, you know, moving forward of how that's been building and been being promoted. It's going to be a pretty awesome environment. I'm looking forward to it. I think ticket-wise, I think it's beating out the Tennessee and LSU games, which are the other big home games in Brian Denny this year. So 
I mean, I think the fans are ready for it for sure. Yeah. All right. Final thing for you, Nick. Got about thirty seconds left. You cannot say Dallas Turner, and you cannot say Kool Aid McKinstry. Give me a player on defense that we are going to be talking about in December at the end of this year who was an absolute star for Alabama. All right. Very quickly came to my head, Jaheim Otis. And people who watched a lot of Alabama football last year were already talking about him. Um, he came in as a freshman after losing 80 pounds and was a monster on the defensive line, really working his way into the rotation. He's one of the leaders of that unit this year, as expected to be. I, and he has another year in the offense at his playing weight. I, you know, I, you look, you circle him as someone to watch. All right. We'll certainly keep an eye on it. He's going to be maybe a wrecking ball in the middle of that defensive line. Nick, thanks so much for your time. Great catching up, and we'll talk to you down the line. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much. Nick Alvarez from AL.com talking some Alabama with us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here's more. Super Talk Mississippi. Well, that's just what everybody wanted to hear, right? A, uh, a former high school player in Mississippi could be the, uh, one of the stars of an Alabama defense that um, we weren't necessarily talking about at the beginning of the year. Jaheim Otis expected to be the uh, nose guard or defensive tackle, depending on how they line up on uh, on the interior of that defensive line. Went to Alabama, what, at 6'4", 370, maybe closer to 300. He's listed going into this season at 6'5", 328. That's a pretty significant weight loss. Closer to 400, you meant. Yeah, I say, I'm sorry. He was he was nearly 400 pounds when he arrived in Tuscaloosa, right? Am I remembering yeah. that correctly? Yeah. You are correct, yes. And he's going to play. Took it, it seriously, took, adopted the process, and is going to be the next great defensive lineman to play at the University of Alabama, it appears. Yeah. I'm trying to remember from that recruitment. I mean, I know that's a name that – both Ole Miss and Mississippi State wanted and wanted badly were either close with him or was that an Alabama thing? All I think, you know, he, he visited State a few times. He visited Ole Miss. But at the end of the day, I mean, that, I think he was kind of Nick Saban's pet project there. And, and like, that, that that's the guy Saban wasn't going to let go. And at the end of the day, it was just he was committed to Alabama. You know, that's tough to overcome. I was trying to... So I was just kind of looking at the, the timeline of when he visited places and where he visited. He did the, the big camp, what, in all the way back in 2018 at, uh, at Mississippi State. Went yeah. to camps at Tennessee and Mississippi State and Arkansas and LSU and a bunch of different places. And um, ultimately signed with uh, Alabama and was an early enrollee in uh, January of 2022. So we will uh, we will see how that plays out for the Crimson Tide. But, yes, the expectation is pretty good one. And uh, Tony in Columbia, who I'm sure saw him play uh, in high school, reminds us that he was close to 400 pounds. Dave said he was the referee in his quarterfinal game of his senior year, and he dominated. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. People are making way too much of the Saban smiling, therefore he loves his team thing. 
think way too much out of that. Do you remember the narrative going into last year's Alabama team? It was talked about on this show yeah. by multiple guests. Best one he's ever had. Was it the best Alabama team he's ever had? I'm telling you from a talent perspective, the two best teams he's had might have been last year's and the team in 2010 that went 10-3. and three. That had Ingram and Richardson and Julio Jones and you know probably seven guys who were first, second, third round picks in the NFL draft on the defense. I mean, that team was loaded and they somehow lost three games. It's weird. I mean, isn't it possible that a guy that age who recently recently purchased his retirement home right next to Celine Dion in Jupiter, Florida, might just kind of be enjoying the last few years of what he what he's done his whole life? Maybe he's just a happier guy. I'm sure he really likes his football team because they're super talented, because they're always super talented. What if he's just loosened up a little bit in his old age and you know he's enjoying himself now, knowing that the end is coming, and for now he's going to be happy and, and kind of take it all in, and then when it's time, it's time. Maybe that, Do you that think seems grandkids more likely. Have changed his life? Wouldn't be surprised. A little life perspective. And maybe he finally met his neighbor Celine Dion, and, and she sang for him, and it changed his life. I mean, w- there's a difference between hearing it and then seeing it live. Maybe you he think got Nick to- Saban yeah. has ever stepped foot in that house. Yeah, now, yeah, now you, I, you don't buy yeah, a seventeen maybe. million dollar home without walking inside of it first. If Miss Terry wanted it, oh. you do. Well, yeah. I, I, if might you want to compare my net worth to uh, to to Nick Saban's, the home I currently live in, we had already signed an agreement to buy before I saw it. Sometimes you just let your wife handle things. She she signed off on it, and you were good. Yeah, I was like, does it have a place for? Does it have a bathroom and a bedroom that I can sleep in and use the bathroom in? Yes. All right, I'm good. Has a kitchen. It has. I, you know what? We can go out to eat. I could live without the kitchen. I guess. It seems like that'd be bothersome for you. I, I'm, I'm assuming if you had realized, I always go smoke the house, lasagna outside. You know, it's no big deal. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm assuming if you had realized that the house did not have lights to aid your grilling in the backyard after the sun went down, you probably would have put the kibosh on buying it. But since uh, you didn't see it, you I had no know. way of knowing. She liked it, so I just like that's fine with me. There you go. That's uh, that's good enough. I wouldn't be able to do it because I like real estate so much. Like houses yeah. and architecture and layout and okay, what are the things that you're going to change and all? Although you would hope that if you're buying a seventeen, eighteen million dollar house, you wouldn't change a lot. Yeah, like it would be basically move in ready. You know, you don't buy those to flip them. I don't think. Ooh. Come in there with a come in there with a uh, with the uh, you know flip or flop uh, crew and and then change everything around. High end real estate tends to go up in value, so maybe maybe he was looking at at as an investment. I don't know. Well, it's a retirement. Plus, you live next to Celine Dion. Yeah, I guess he live next to Celine. Tiger's yeah. right down the the uh, Tiger just Coach Thomas. Seven. Shall we go for it? I, I'm sure the the roster of celebrities that live in that neighborhood in that place is pretty expansive. It's elite. I mean, the Christmas parties that he'll get to to do the cha-cha slide in, I mean, it's going to be crazy. He does that, by the way. There's videos if you want to see it. They're awesome. That's a recruiting thing, though, right? 
I feel like there's a little juice in those steps. I think he's kind of having some fun there. So his neighbors will include Tiger Woods, Ricky Fowler, Gary Player. Maybe Justin Thomas will put in this house. Yeah, you, you don't buy that house in that area if you're not preparing to play a lot of golf in the near future. Even a guy with all that money is not spending that much money on a house unless he intends to use it. When he already owns what is thought to be an $11 million lake house in Lake Burton? Yeah. Yeah, well, good for him. Because, I mean, like, Andy Staples, who, who I really, really like, is like, oh, it's been smiling. It, he, he knows he loves this team. And it's like, it, I don't know if, if we should read into it like that. Dwayne and Brandon says, wasn't Richard supposed to get Haydad some outside lights and give Borky an air fryer? Um, I mean, yeah, we talked about getting Haydad some outside lights. He didn't seem to care one way or the other, and so I mean, if we need to do that, we can we can do that. Or he can buy his own. Okay. I don't want to though. Not if I can get a free one. Why buy something when it is available to you for free? The odds of me remembering. Well, first of all, I I guess we use it from time to time. I've I've never turned it on, but I I think it's been used. But the odds of me remembering. If Jane okayed me giving it away, to load up an air fryer and put it in the truck and bring it to you on one of the occasions where I have no to see you in person, not great odds. No worries. We're gonna we'll, we'll pick it up in Oxford on the thirty first when we're at the remote for the grand opening of College Corner. Yeah, you just just leave it there with uh, with Scott. Yes, you d- let Jane know we're coming by. We'll pick up the uh, let, we'll go by the house. We'll pick up the air fryer. And then Borky can enjoy wings whenever he wants them. Yeah, healthier, too. Just so much oh, yeah, better, it's better for, for me. you. Yeah. See, yeah. our text line, I don't know if he's happier or not, but I know I'm happy to hear you guys talking about the tide for a change. For a change. You know, they're, they're not exactly the primary piece of conversation um, here. <laughs> yeah. I can give you a link to, to Mac and Cube. They talk about him plenty, I'm sure. Hey, Dad, I was in Ed's today. Do you or Richard have a post-it on the wall? If so, where? I do not. Richard, do you? I, I do not. I got I got a dollar bill at Don and Ellie's, though. There you go. I've, uh, I've written on the wall in multiple places at Taylor Grocery through the years, but not in a really long time. It's probably been written over by now because it's been quite some time, but Ground Zero in Clarksdale had my name with some more inappropriate things that I don't want to share written on those walls as uh, as well. So, But, yeah, it's it's been quite some time. Probably not there anymore. The Electric Bluesman, if I took a sip of one today, I think I would just die. Like I would sip it and just keel over. Done. Richard, this guy says, hey, Dad, I'm an electrician in Starkville. I can probably hook you up with some outside lights pretty cheap. You got his number right there, Richard. Call him. Get it all taken care of. Hey, I, I tell you what, why don't you send me a quote? It, 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 we don't need anything super fancy, super high end. The easier, nah. the better. Um, yes. If 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 it's something that is, is reasonable and, and hey, I can afford can he, it. Can you put an outlet out there for me as well? Can you put an outlet out there so I can maybe get a, a pellet grill? You're going to have to. Can we throw that on? I mean, I'm sure that he can do that while he's there, but you'll have to foot the bill for I that want, part of it. Put, put it in the quote. Put it in the quote. Okay. 
So yeah, we'll see. if if you if you you can send that to us right, right here on the ceasefire text line to our electrician friend in Starkville at 601-879-4395. Yes, he can do that. He All says, right. yes, hey, Dad, he can do that. Good to know. Good to know. Let's pick up the uh, countdown of 100 teams in 100 days when we come back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the Dance Gravit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses. The Oaks and the Azaleas. Take your pick, play one, play both of them, whatever it is that sounds good to you. You can book your tee time online at DancingRabbitGolf.com or you can plan your trip by giving them a call at Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, part of Pearl River Resort. Which SEC quarterbacks are nominated for quarterback awards this year? All of them. A bunch of them. Shorter answer would be which ones aren't? You have seen Will Rogers' name pop up. You have seen Jackson Dart's name pop up. Jaden Daniels, obviously. K.J. Jefferson, yes. Joe Milton III, yes. Spencer Rattler, yes. Um, who else? A bunch of them. Yeah. And preseason got, watch lists are. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of. You get your preseason watch list, and then you get like a midseason watch list where they make some additions and they make some subtractions, and then they uh, they keep on moving. Uh, John and Hurley has Haydad softened his stance on the, the two he screwed over Michael Orr. After more of the facts have come out, what what facts have come out? I've seen people saying things, but has there been facts, provable, well, documented facts? Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna go that route, then you have to go with the initial story of people saying things as opposed to actual facts, because all you have at this well, I mean, point is an allegation and a response. All I really care about, to be honest with you, is the whole they didn't adopt him thing, which has been proven to be true. But that's because I thought that was a. But but that's also been proven since what 2011 was the first time that was put out. Tell tell all the Ole Miss fans that believed it that. Don't tell me I never once believed it. Okay. Tell the the 500 million people who saw the blind side and were like, oh, it's such a great story. It's so Wait, heartwarming. You didn't believe was... that he was adopted, or you didn't believe that he was uh, adopt, adopted for only pure reasons? Correct. Okay. Um, so to answer the question, no, I haven't, I haven't softened at all. Okay. What facts do you have, hey, Dad? He has opinions, strong uh, well, ones, but opinions. I have the, I have the fact that they said it's a conservatorship. I have that fact. 
You can go to supertalk.fm. There's a story about them ending it today. I wonder what the, why they decided today was a good day to end it. And not, I don't know, the day he left Well, because he requested college. But a conservatorship is about taking care of, like, the mentally challenged. As soon as he got drafted in the NFL, they should have been like, all right, let's go ahead and, and, you know, dump that. But they had to keep up the appearances. All right. Let's, uh, Let's continue down the road of 100 teams in 100 days. This day is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Now. Okay, ready? Three, two, one, go! It's the final countdown! Team number 17 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Perhaps you've heard of them. The Georgia Bulldogs, reigning national champions times two, they won it all in 2021. Finished that year 14 and one. Lost to Alabama in the championship game, but then came back and uh, claimed a national title by beating Alabama in the championship game. And then last year, it was a clean sheet, 15 and 0. It started. With a win over Oregon in the season opener, there was a win over LSU in the SEC championship game in which they hung 50 on the Tigers. Really, really entertaining game in the Peach Bowl when they played Ohio State and won 42-41. Much less entertaining national championship game, a 65-7 win over TCU. Stetson Bennett the fourth is gone. His numbers from last year? Well, they were really solid. He completed 68% of his passes for over 4,000 yards with 27 touchdowns and just seven interceptions. He also had 10, uh, that's not right. He didn't have 10. Yeah, he did. He had 10 rushing touchdowns and a net of 205 yards on the ground. So Stetson Bennett, punching bag for Michael Borky for years. Only because of his age. (laughs) Was responsible for 37 touchdowns last season. Yeah, and he's older than six starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Is he older than you? No. Okay. I've got a three. He's getting close. Okay, I I, I thought you you were still in the twos there. Hmm. So, new quarterback, everybody assumes that it's going to be Carson Beck, who is the starter. He played... Uh, some last year, and he was good in the opportunities that he had. 310 yards passing, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and he completed 26 of 35 passes. That's 74%. So what we've seen of Carson Beck has been good so far. Charleston Southern. Uh, the, the same people, by the way, that spent all of last year telling everybody how much that they should respect Stetson Bennett because he's not just the quarterback for Georgia. He's a great quarterback. Those same people are completely dismissing the loss of Stetson Bennett. If you spend a year trying to tell everybody how great he was at the most important position on the field, why do you think it doesn't matter that greatness at the most important position on the field is gone? So you are finally admitting that that there was greatness rolled into? I don't think there was greatness. I think he was good. 
He was good. And his experience and his age. He threw for 4,000 yards and was yeah, responsible Richard, for 37 you could throw for 2,500 yards with that team. I mean, come on. That, that's the, that, that was what always cracked me up. It's, yes, Even at he's the young good. age of 42, you think I could have done that? Yeah. With that, with that roster, he was good. He had to execute. He had to play. He was older than everybody on the field, and that was absolutely a factor. But he wasn't brilliant. He was good. And he looked, he's looked good in the preseason and, and looked good in camp because he's good. But the people that were trying to tell you that he was great, elite, all-time, all that crap, are completely dismissing his departure. Why are they doing that? How many other quarterbacks at Georgia have got two national championship rings? Uh, again. <laughs> again. No, no, no. I, did, like, I, I didn't hear the number that you said. How, how many others do? Let, let's put Matt Stafford on those two Georgia teams and tell me what happens. Tell me what happens. Carson Beck put Matt it? Stafford on those two Georgia was, teams and tell he? me what happens. Hey, did, Carson did I Beck miss the two? part where, where he answered the question that I asked? He did not answer the question. Okay. Okay, uh, all right. So is Craig Krenzel an all-time great quarterback in college football? We only got one. Uh, yeah, only. Matt Stafford didn't win one. Who was a better college quarterback? Well, Matt Stafford. I'm not arguing who the better college quarterback is, but at some point we have to stop belittling the com- uh, the accomplishments of Stetson Bennett. So calling him very good is belittling? Considering what he did, going, ah, he was he was a good quarterback. He was more than a good quarterback. He was that on offense, that offense does not go like it did the last two years with just anybody plugged in there. I'm I'm sorry. Then I then like, why I, are they not going to miss a single beat without him? I don't think anybody said they're not going to miss a single beat, but I think most everybody believes that Carson Beck is very very talented. Also. I, I mean, how many people think Georgia's going to lose a single game this year? Have you seen their schedule? That's why people think that. They play in the SEC. I'm, I'm fully aware. I mean, they, they play Ole Miss this year. I am also fully aware. It's probably the so, second most difficult game on Georgia's schedule. Cakewalking through that schedule will happen because of Oh, time out, time out, time out, time out. Hey, Dad's doing the let me scratch my chin and disagree moment it's, just for a second. It's only, there's only three, there's only two possibilities. I mean, Tennessee's one, and then it's do I want to go South Carolina or Ole Miss? Where the South Carolina game in Athens? They're both in Athens. It's Ole Miss. I mean, that's not a shot at Ole Miss. No. It, it's it's more a reference to how good we think Georgia is, complete yeah. we think they are. And, yes, they were supposed to have Oklahoma on the schedule. We know that, right? It, it didn't happen. But let's just walk through the schedule. UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB, all at home. First road test at Auburn. Back home for Kentucky. Then they go to Vandy. Then they get a week off. Playing Florida. In Jacksonville, a little bit of cocktail party action. Then Missouri at home, who gave them fits a year ago. Ole Miss on November 11th. You got a roadie to Tennessee on November 18th. And then they finish it up in Atlanta. On the flats against Georgia Tech. Talk a little bit more about Georgia when we come back and uh, wrap up the 4 o'clock hour. This is Sports Talk Mississippi.
Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. starters on the offensive side. Kenny McIntosh, one of the running backs. Stetson Bennett, the quarterback. They lose Darnell Washington. And, well, it's another one of the receivers that's gone, right? Um, I don't know who else there. A.D. Mitchell started some, although he was hurt and didn't play a whole lot. What about the running back spot this year for, um, for Georgia? So, Kendall Milton... Hey, Dad, does he end up kind of being the workhorse? Do, do we get back to a, a Georgia running game where there is truly a featured back like there was with um, you know, Nick Chubb, with Sony Michelle, with DeAndre well, you say, I, was Although, say. I know those guys shared carries, I understand. Yeah, yeah. And and with you know, you mentioned uh McIntosh, but another Mississippian, very talented kid, Branson Robinson right there. I think he's going to probably factor into that 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 battle as well. So well, to answer your question, Milton, I, Milton's the one that that's back. Milton McIntosh. Milton, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, to answer your question, though, I think now Georgia will will continue to, to to you know cycle through a bunch of running backs, and they've also got DeWan Edwards back, who had 769 yards on the ground. I mean, that's the crazy thing. So Georgia did not have a thousand yard rusher last year. Kenny McIntosh had 829 and 10 touchdowns. Dewan Edwards had 769 and 7. Kendall Milton had 592 and 8. Branson Robinson, who you mentioned, 330 and 3. Stetson Bennett had 205 yards rushing. And then you had two other 100 yard rushers in Lad McConkey and Brock Bowers. Who is. Who's the last. I mean, I guess we probably have one of these every year. I cannot think of a single first-team anything list that did not have Brock Bowers on it. All-American, All-SEC, every award that that you've got out there, he's on all of them. Who's the last tight end that was like that? Was A.J. Pitts thought of that highly going into a year at Florida? Kyle Pitts? Kyle Pitts. Yes, Kyle Pitts. Who's A.J. Pitts? Isn't State's tennis facility the A.J. Pitts ten- Tennis Center? I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what a leap. Uh, yeah, Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, yes. Going into his senior year or his junior year, yes, he was widely recognized as the best tight end in college football. But even I don't think he was as, I don't know if feared is the right word, but uh, as as... I can't think of the word, but Brock Bowers seems to have like a little bit more more juice than than Pitts did. You think Brock Bowers goes for over a thousand yards receiving this year? He had nine forty two last year. And remember, you had Darnell Washington on that team who got some play. He had four hundred fifty four yards receiving at the tight end spot last year. 
Does he go over a thousand? Brock Bowers this year? It's a hard number to hit. It's a hard number to yeah, hit. Yeah, it is. It is. Especially, I mean, for a tight end. I mean, no, I don't think he's ever a thousand. Okay. And Borky, I think you made the point a couple of days ago. Do we really classify him as a tight end? You know what? I mean, they use him for everything. Yeah. He's so flexible. Uh, we got a message on the uh, on the ceasefire text line. Can't imagine who this guy cheers for. Kentucky absolutely is a more difficult game for Georgia than Ole Miss is. Okay, an opinion. And who knows, maybe it turns out to be a, a right opinion after the season plays out. Yeah. You know what the I beauty mean, of this is? Like, where is that game? Athens. They're both in Athens. Yeah. They have four Gosh, all games. their reasonably difficult games except for Knoxville seem to be in Athens. That's it. That's it. It's at Auburn, at Vandy, at Tennessee, at Georgia Tech, and they play uh, Florida and Jacksonville. That atmosphere in Knoxville will be pretty lit on November. Pretty 18th. good. Yeah. Pretty good. It, it's funny that we'll actually get to determine this for a while. But I, I was thinking about this the other day. I, I know we'll talk about him because we have to, but we would be better off, honestly, watching Ole Miss and State scrimmage on September second, each other, uh, like amongst themselves, than the games they're going to actually play. Like, Taking sweeping judgments, unless it's injury or personnel related, like who started and who didn't, from Mercer and Selah is a, a bit of a fool's errand, I think. Week two is going to be a, okay, now we know some things about these teams week. Week one is just going to be fun. Hey, football's back. The team's won. Talk about it. Week two is the educational day. And, and that's kind of the case for a lot of teams in the SEC, right? Bama gets Texas in week two. For LSU, it's week one against Florida State. For Texas A&M, they go to Miami in week two. For Ole Miss, it's at Tulane. For Arkansas, may take uh, it may be week four for Arkansas before we really know till they make that trip to Baton Rouge. For Auburn, they go to Cal in week two. And for Mississippi State, it's Arizona at home. That's the West in week two. We'll be back. Super Talk Mississippi. Check this out. Are you ready? Sports Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the 5 o'clock hour on this Thursday. It's Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, so much going on. Live entertainment, gaming, the sports book, you've got golf, whatever it is that you're looking uh, Great food, great food. Whatever it is that you are looking for in terms of entertainment, they've pretty much got you covered at Pearl River Resort. Some of the upcoming events on the entertainment side of things. If you're just looking for uh, some fun times, you got Buddy Guy. Buddy Guy is coming September 2nd, 2023 to the Silver Star Convention Center. Those tickets are on sale now. You can buy your tickets online. 
right now for Buddy Guy at the um, Silver Star Convention Center at Pearl River Resort. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from Ceasefire. The phone your kids, uh, sorry, the phone your kids want with the easy to use parental controls just for you. It's only $30 a month with auto pay. Connect and Protect gives you tools to easily track your kids' location, restrict content, limit screen time, and help protect them online. Plus, right now, you can get iPhone 12 for less than $11 a month or get a free TCL Stylus 5G. No trade in needed. Learn more at ceasefire.com. Ceasefire. Customer inspired. Borky, are you getting uh, you getting props for the music? Not this music. Questions about whether or not that was Robert Trower on the uh, on the intro there. Oh, that was Hendrix. I also think that is Rhino, but you know. Do what now? They also think it's Rhino. Well, Dave thought that anyway. All right, college football fix. It's driven by Ford. And your local Mississippi Ford dealers, log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. What's your question today, Borky? All right, so we're deep into camp, and, you know, things seem to be figuring themselves out, at least when it comes to position battles and things like that. Or maybe not figuring themselves out. You've got injury issues and stuff popping up. Maybe some legal trouble in one case. Or if you believe Lane Kiffin still doesn't know who his quarterback's going to be. But we all know who his quarterback is going to be anyway. They practice for a while. They've had scrimmages. Mm-hmm. What position group now should Ole Miss and State fans be the most worried about? What position group should be the biggest concern and then flip it which one should they be the most confident in hey dad you want to start with state my guess is you're going to say safety for the one to be most concerned about it feels like it's been a bit of a theme well i mean when you replace all three starters from one you know they only have three starting safeties and when all three of them are new yeah that, that tends to be it i will say that i feel like the, the, they, they've had good competition there. Uh, I feel like Marcus Banks has probably nailed down one of those spots, but then the other ones maybe maybe a little bit still up for grabs, but there's been good competition there. But, yeah, safety is clearly the one for me where I'm going to have the, the most concern uh, overall. And then hmm, if, I, if I had to pick one that I had the most confidence in, we'll just go up a level in the defense. I mean, when you have the, the two leading returning tacklers in the SEC – Coming back to you and Jet Johnson and uh, and Buki Watson. I mean, it's it's tough not to say linebacker. Now they do got they do have to find a, a a third guy for that for that trio there. But they've recruited well at linebacker the past few years. They got a lot of good young options there. And of course, you know, if they go four two five and it's just Johnson and Watson, well then, no issues there whatsoever. Yeah, that makes sense. What about on the offensive side? For worry, mm. for worry, I'm, I'm, I might just go offensive line just because that's probably the, the the group that's the most affected by what they're doing different offensively. 
you know, for 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 Rodgers, it is still just drop back and find receivers. It is still hand the ball off. I mean, I, I hate to simplify the the quarterback position, but the the most of the things he does are things he's been doing the past three years. There's a, there's differences now where you're not you're going to be more in a three point stance and you're going to be more run blocking. There, there's differences there. So I have confidence in that group. It's certainly a very experienced group. But there, there, there's some things there that would make you go, okay, I can see where there might be a, a, a you know, an early uh, struggle, an early transition, you know, there. Uh, for most confidence, I mean, I, I got to go with Rodgers, right? I mean, the guy, you know, the leading returning passer in college football, uh, I'm a believer in him. I believe that this new system, will, will he'll do well in it. Uh, I believe that it's going to help him in terms of giving him more support from the running game and not putting the, all of the game onto his shoulders. Um, I feel like at this point, a guy who started almost 30 games, if you don't have confidence in I don't, I don't know what you're doing. So, yeah, I'll, I'd say uh, the quarterback position for me. You know, on the Ole Miss side of, thing, side of things, sorry, I think the answer in terms of most concern, especially not knowing if Kari Coleman is going to be on your team or not, is linebacker. Because... You've got Monty Montgomery in from Louisville, and you need him to be good. You've got Centarian Perkins, the high school star from Raleigh, coming in, and I don't. It's probably a a big ask to say you need him to be good as a true freshman in the SEC, but you need him to to contribute. You, you need him to be part of the mix. Um. And then who else, right? I mean, Ashanti Sistrunk is a returner. That's a name that you know, a guy that you recognize. They lost a lot at that at that particular position, and brought some guys in through recruiting. But that is that's the thinnest position group, I think, on the entire roster. Yeah, move. And when I say thinnest, I, I I think I mean smallest margin for error. Yeah. Moved Tennyson down to play linebacker and then uh, uh, got hurt. I don't think it's long-term, but naturally. Uh, yeah, it, the area of most concern is linebacker, without a doubt. Now, um, because of Pete Golding's defense and how flexible it is, it's not like he runs a 3-4 and you have to put four linebackers on the field or else. I mean, I think the 3-2-6 has died a, a worthy death. But, you know, there's a chance you see a lot of just two linebacker looks uh, with this team, especially with how deep they are at safety, or at least the perceived depth at safety. Uh, you, you can have guys play close to the line of, closer to the line of scrimmage and help there. And 4-2-5 is not any, it's not like uncommon. It's a very common defensive set. That could help uh, alleviate some of the issues is uh, using more of that until you get Tennyson back, figure out what you have in Perkins, and uh, if you ever get Corey Coleman back, which – We'll see. That's all I got is, is we'll see if if he plays for Ole Miss again. Um, but, yeah, it's it's absolutely linebacker. Even though they portaled well there, it's still linebacker. You know, if we're just doing sides of the ball, then I would say, and, and this is not specifically a position group, it's kind of like an overarching deal, I would say the secondary is the, the group on the defensive side that you feel most confident about. There's some really nice pieces up front. We'll see about depth on the defensive line and how much pressure they're able to get on the quarterback and can Cedric Johnson stay healthy and 
and, and all of those things. But when you think about the back end, where on the outside you're going Zamari Walton on one side and DeAndre Prince on the other, as kind of your first two corners. You got Ishim Young back there with some with you know some experience. Ladarius Tennyson moving down to linebacker. I don't know. We'll see on that. But I think the back end is where you feel the best about depth on the defensive side. I go to the other side of the ball. If you said, hey, what's the position group you've got the most confidence in? It's quarterback. And, and I'm not trying to steal your answer. Hey, it better be. You, you got a returning starter that threw for just shy of 3,000 yards. Jackson Dart needs to be better this year protecting the football. He had 11 interceptions last season. That's too many. That's a 2-1 to one touchdown to interception ratio. you got to be better than that. But then you've also got Spencer Sanders, who's what, the number two all-time passer at Oklahoma State. And you got Walker Howard sitting there in the wings as well. And you got Austin Simmons, who's not old enough and, and probably not ready to, to step onto the field and play, if, I guess, if he had to. Something, actually some things, plural, went terribly wrong if, if Austin Simmons plays quarterback this year for Ole Miss. There's a lot of depth at that in that room, though. And when you're talking about a returning starter and a transfer former starter at the Power 5 level, to me that's the area you've got to have the most confidence. And oh, by the way, there's that Judkins guy. I just, I just can't go full position group because I'm not sure about the stuff behind it. That's your college football fix. We'll be right back. Are we gonna do this? Back to sports talk, Mississippi. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. Super Talk, Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Thursday afternoon. Thanks for being uh, with us. You can join us on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. At 601-879-4395. So, apparently Taylor Swift said no to the NFL, to the Super Bowl halftime show. Why? She doesn't need it. Uh, she, she doesn't need it. Hey, th- this Diehard Titans fan said she would only show up if they were there. <laughs> Man, like I knew she was popular, but where did this whole like selling out football stadiums for $3,000 a pop three nights in a row in every city in America popularity come from? Am I just that out of the loop where I had no idea that Taylor Swift had a cult-like following of which we've never seen before in world history? I wouldn't say it like that. I mean, there's hyperbole in that, I mean, but if, it's, it's nuts. Yeah, like if the Beatles in their heyday had had a stadium tour, they would have they would have done the same. I mean, he's the biggest musical act in the world right now. That's, this is this is what happens with them. 
just kind of came out of nowhere. And and the huh? the tickets on the secondary market are ridiculous. And and it kind of defies secondary market ticket buying strategy too. They don't go down the day before a show. It doesn't matter that there are three shows in three nights. If it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the tickets for Thursday cost the same, basically, as the tickets on Saturday. There are no deals to be found. You want to buy a ticket for a Taylor Swift show that doesn't have a comma in it? I hope you're okay with sitting in the upper deck of an NFL stadium. Where you can barely hear the music at that point. And she's just a little speck down there. Yeah, but you're there, I guess is what people would tell you. I mean, if Led Zeppelin did, if if they got together with Jason Bonham I mean, and did a farewell tour, I am going. I, I don't care where or where I sit or how much, I will have to see that. So I can't make fun of the Swifties. Although they're doing like the numbers yeah, thing with album release dates and stuff, and they're like diving into the 8 plus 9, August 9th, that means this, and it, cult-like stuff. But yeah, if Led Zeppelin were to do a show in the Superdome and it cost me four figures to get in in the worst seat in the house, I think I'd do it. you got to remember those same seats. People pay money to sit in to watch football games every week of, of the NFL season. Money. I, I wonder how much this plays into it. I mean, she's been on tour all summer long. She is on tour through all of October – and into November, and then she's added dates for the spring. There are international dates that are coming up later in November, over into February. I mean, one, I guess there could be a conflict that she has with a, perhaps, with a, what, what's the day of the Super Bowl? I don't know, but you also don't get it's paid. First, first Sunday of, uh, of uh, February, right? First Sunday Usually? of February? Is that usually correct? It might be the second. So that would be, so just making that assumption, it's going to be the 11th 11th? of February. Okay. That late? Wow. Okay. She has shows in Tokyo on February 8th, 9th, and 10th. So that would be a mitigating factor. But here's what I was going to say. It is the 11th, yeah. You, there is a massive amount of time that goes into building out a Super Bowl halftime show? Like, you don't just roll up and do another concert like you always do. At least you've got time. Between now and the Super Bowl, what's she going to play? 20, 30 more shows between now and the Super Bowl? When are you going to build out a halftime show? I don't know. I mean... It's not like she needs the money. The money may be a principle. It may be like the principle of the thing. You remember what yeah, Katy Perry ended up doing the Super Bowl halftime show, but she also said she didn't play for free. So, I, I don't know. It's crazy, though. We did get a text that cracked me up. He said, the first time ever I'm saying thank you, Taylor Swift. Mm. I, I, got, I kind of have a feeling you're not going to like the, the, the second option. Yeah. Uh, whoever that may be, it's not like they're like, well, we couldn't get Taylor Swift, so let's you know, let's get the Beach Boys. 
Although I mean, it's going to be a band like our artists like Taylor Swift. This would be a good year because because they did it with like the Who and stuff. As we talk about, halftime shows aren't meant for what our audience demographics is. Mostly, they're trying to get people that aren't watching the football game to watch the football game. You know, advertising dollars, stuff like that. That's kind of their goal. But with Metallica being on like this all time high. As a band, their Q rating is through the roof. I feel like you could get away with having some good rock, like Metallica, play the Super Bowl halftime show, and draw a really, really good number for it because of how popular they are right now. I think you could get away with that and do it. It'd be pretty good. I'd take that one. Somebody said, what would your dream halftime show be? So it's got to be realistic, right? Led Zeppelin's not reuniting plus Jason Bonham for the Super Bowl. So that's out. (laughs) Um, See, my favorite band is Pearl Jam, but that's not a good halftime show. Oh, man, you could really you could do Pearl Jam, Foo Fighters, Metallica. If, you did, if there was ever a, a – if they ever hosted – they would never would because it's not a dome. But if they ever hosted a Seattle Super Bowl, if I could get Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains and then play, you know, whoever's left from Soundgarden to get up there, that'd be great. Somebody said my daughter saw Taylor Swift in Nashville at $12 a song for 44 songs. Hey, well, she got in yeah. cheaper than uh, people that I know that went to a Taylor Swift concert in Nashville. Yeah. Uh, all right, your suggestions for Super Bowl halftime show, Metallica and Guns N' Roses, Jimmy Buffett, Boston, give Janet Jackson another chance. And the lead singer of Boston Dead. Bonk on the Lip Janet Jackson Biscuit, guy. Bonk. Horn and the Foo Fighters. Corn Junior. Uh, you know, we need to get like Corn and Slipknot and, and those people to do a halftime show just so I can see the reactions. <laughs> um, Give me Coheed and Cambria up there. Let's go. We get an ACDC. We get Creed and Nickelback. We get Oliver Anthony. I've seen a couple of suggestions for Oliver Anthony. I don't know if the depth of his library or the uh, content of his music is enough. Oasis. Although Foo Fighters have a high Q rating, too. I mean, I'm telling you, them and Metallica would yeah. be a pretty awesome one-two punch for that. Be fun. I'd enjoy it. What about like a uh, I enjoyed like the- Chris Stapleton, Tyler Childers together? Didn't Chris Stapleton, or was it Sergio Simpson who did the uh, national anthem last year? Stapleton. Stapleton did it, and it was okay. Incredible, it was great. Shocker, Chris Stapleton. Did I enjoyed. Awesome. I enjoyed the uh, the tribute to hip hop a couple years ago. Though. That was good. I enjoyed Dr. Dre and Snoop. I thought it was fantastic. I mean, you're probably never bringing Morgan Wallen to the Super Bowl. No. No. Yeah, his fans have recovered from that, but I don't know that uh, the NFL would be okay with doing that, and I don't know that the players in the league would be okay with it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think they probably should ask Taylor Swift every single year and hope that at some point she says no, or she says yes. Yeah. Uh, at some point she changes her mind, but uh, she has not done it yet. I mean, the Rolex It's like LeBron in the slam dunk contest. It's just never going to happen. The Rolex Suits are doing more than just kicking, buddy. <laughs> Mick, Mick, still Jag- going. Mick Jagger's still uh, 
uh, he, reproducing. Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah. But man, at that age, the the way moving around the way he still does at that age tr- truly is impressive. Especially They've living done a the lifestyle, show, haven't they? That, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My favorite one of all time was the Who because that was the Saints Super Bowl. Yeah, I saw a, a story when the Rolling Stones were doing their tour. I think it was two years ago. Mick Jagger walked from where they were staying to a bar near the venue the night of the concert, and and he went into this bar, had a couple of drinks, and left the bar. Nobody said a word to him. Nobody recognized him. Every patron in the bar had tickets to his show that night. He went in there and not a single one, like, realized that, hey, that, that old guy there at the bar, that's Mick Jagger. He said he had a peaceful couple beers and then walked to the show, and everybody in that bar went to his show. They had no idea he was there. I mean, to me, the best ever is still Prince. I mean, pur- Purple Rain in the Rain is like, it, you're just that's just a moment you're never recreating. That's my favorite little mini documentary ever. Where the producer is like scared to death to call him. He goes, I don't know if you've looked outside, but it's raining. And he says, Can you make it rain harder? <laughs> They're rolling. You're hearing Sports Talk, Mississippi. What? What? This is so awesome. On Super Talk, Mississippi. <laughs> All guests on Sports Talk Mississippi appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We had a good conversation about Alabama football earlier in the show today with Nick Alvarez from AL.com. If you missed that or anything else on the show, you can always go back and get it. Via podcast, it is free. It is easy if you sign up for the podcast. It just pops up into your feed every single day. You can listen what you uh, to what you want, when you want. Fast forward, go back, all the things. So we would uh, appreciate you doing that, downloading the podcast for Sports Talk Mississippi. Um, Borky told us earlier there was a, a stat of the day that he wanted to get to. Here, here it is. Stat of the day. The percentage of quarterback pressures that turn into sacks. Quarterbacks listed had a minimum of 200 passing attempts, and this was last year. So the number of times that an opponent, I'm sorry, the the sack rate percentage based on quarterback pressure by the opponent. That's right. And it's a little bit wordy, of course, and not an exact science, but basically what that's saying is how good is a quarterback in the pocket, evading pressure, and getting rid of the football? Best in the NFL? Shocked, I'm sure, Patrick Mahomes. He was sacked only 10.8% of the time that defenses brought pressure to try and get him. And that's successful pressure. That's not like bringing blitzes and it getting picked up. That's when he is successfully pressured as they as they record it. He's a magician. And I, I kind of say the same thing about Otani. I guess just appreciate what you have because what 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 you have is special right now. That that's Patrick Mahomes. 
you, you've got the takesman that, oh, well, he's not that good, or if this guy did that, or if Mahomes did that, everybody would lose their minds. Patrick Mahomes is a magician. In the pocket, in creativity, throwing the football, accuracy, arm strength, athleticism, he is special. And this is just another example of that. He, It's not like Andy Reid... Andy Reid has a great offensive scheme, don't get me wrong. But it's not like he's a product of just a good system. Hmm. All right, so you got Patrick Mahomes on the low end at 10.8%. The most frequently sacked quarterback when pressure came, Baker Mayfield, at 30.8%. Oof. Well, I asked a second ago, it was uh, Dwayne said, what about Joe Burrow? 22.9. Yeah, Burrow got a lot of pressure. So so your top five, and a couple of these are actually kind of surprising. Patrick Mahomes best at 10.8%. Jared Goff, second best at 12.3%. Joe Flacco at 13%. Derek Carr at 13.8, and Justin Herbert at 14. You know what you see in that top four? Guys that get rid of the football? Veterans. Yeah. Yeah. You would think it would be mobile quarterbacks. You would expect to maybe see, like, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen in there. But no, Borky's right. Joe Flacco knows when to get rid of the ball. Yeah. He's been in the league long enough. He's like, I got got to get rid of the ball. He's top ten. He and uh, Dak are very, very close together. Josh Allen at 14.7%, Dak at 14.8%. Here are the bottom five, which actually pokes a little bit of hole in your theory. Mm-hmm. Told you Baker Mayfield the worst at 30.8%. Deshaun Watson, surprising, at 28.2%. Well, Matthew Stafford, Justin Fields, and Russell Wilson all at 27%. Go up a couple more as well. Carson Wentz, Ryan Tannehill. Bad quarterbacks. Hurts is an outlier yeah, there, done. which is interesting. But he's still young and learning. Hurts is an outlier. What, what, what did you say? Bad quarterback? They, they, they were they were bad last year. Baker was bad. Watson was bad. Stafford got hurt. That was that's a little unfair. Um, lost his yeah. his veteran offensive tackle after they won the Super Bowl before last season. Uh, had some issues there up front that hurt him. But Fields was bad last year. Wilson was bad last year. Wentz stinks all around. Tannehill was bad last year. There's a direct correlation between the ability, generally speaking, and the and the ability as a quarterback to create things for yourself and how successful you are. Just depending on offensive line only um, isn't exactly the the way to go about it. You you need to help your guys out. I, I was watching a film study of uh, Zach Wilson after the Hall of Fame game. Remember, he was the starter there in New York before Rodgers. Uh, signed there, and I assume he would have been starting this year unless they drafted somebody, if not for Aaron Rodgers. But the the number of times that Zach Wilson created pressure by his movements in the pocket being wrong is staggering. And and the take after the game was he kind of played well, but the the amount of times, even just in the Hall of Fame game where this guy broke down, Zach Wilson made a bad decision here, which led to a defensive lineman in his face was really interesting. And he's an elusive guy. He's a mobile guy. And he created his own pressure by being bad in the pocket. 
Yeah. Tua Tagovailoa is in the uh, the middle of this list. He was uh, at eighteen point nine percent. But Tua thinks that you need to know how difficult playing quarterback and calling plays when you are a quarterback in the NFL is. You guys, are he was, and then. Sorry, I thought you were teeing it up. I had it ready to go. I ruined it. I was. It. I, ruined I was. It. He was talking to uh, the media, and I guess there was a reporter that asked a question, hey, what does a play call sound like? And uh, he said, here you go. I, I can give you guys a play, and then if you guys want to repeat it after me, as if you guys were in the huddle, you guys can. All right. Should I go once or twice saying it? Once. Once? All right, we got North Right Clamp, South Fox, H Top Pass 38, Top Gumby XP Sweat. Let's go. Anyone? You want to hear that again? North, South, what? After me, as if you guys were in the huddle, you guys can. All right, should I go once or twice saying it? Once. Once? All right, we got North Right Clamp, South Fox, H Top Pass 38, Top Gumby XP Sweat. Let's go. Anyone? So, what I always find interesting about the NFL. It, that play call tells every position what they're supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. From the O-line, the receivers, the backs, everybody. In high school, that exact same play is something like black right, pass two, on one, ready, break. It, it really is. It's So I get I get the, 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 that it's complicated, but sometimes I wonder, like, is it is it just complicated for complicated sake? I'm going to try to read it to you. North right clam, south fox, H top pass, 38 Gumby XP sweat. On one on one. Ready? Sure. Right. Let's go on two. Let's try to draw them off. And so as a quarterback, you have to know what all that means and then know where all of those guys are going to be. And each of those guys is not doing one thing. Like we said the other day. It's not like one of those means, okay, you run a post. It's you run a post yeah. if you get this defensive look. If you get this defensive look, you do this. And that's for every guy on the field. So he has to know all of that, take a snap, process all of that, while getting pursued by 285-pound guys <laughs> trying to rip his head off and execute that. So so let's see how much retention we all have. Michael Borky, what was the most run play in your high school? Oh, I played defense. Give it to me. You didn't play any offense? No offense. Uh, linebacker. Whole oh, time. wow. I didn't I didn't have that luxury at a 1A school. Richard, give me a play call from the Oxford High School playbook. One y'all ran the most. Your favorite play. Oh, man. We ran a lot of counter that, that was really, really good. Um, I mean, like a slot right, strong right, 34 counter. Okay. Black right, 32 power. We had the most unusual hole system in the world, though, so. Yeah. 32, 32 was off tackle for us. It's not, it's not for anybody else in the world. 32 was off tackle. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, our, our holes went uh, one to nine, right to left. Really? So one and nine were sweeps. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we were, so we were um, the the first number in a run call was the back that was getting it. So 
you know, right. If it was three is eight, a tailback. If it was eighteen, it was a quarterback sweep to the right. If it was thirty-four, right. you know, so we were quarterback, fullback, tailback, and the three would have been the tailback, and the four would have been yeah. the the hole to the right. But if you were going thirty-four because it was a counterplay, taking the snap under center, you're opening left and you're faking it to the fullback mm-hmm. going left. The tailback yeah. takes a hard yeah. counter step to his left, and then everything flows yeah. back to the right. So you're kind of reversing out and hand it off going back the other way. And then what was fun was off of that play, if you have success, you'd come back and run a bootleg. So you might run, you know, 34 counter bootleg, and then you got like seven – 15 or something like that for the pass route concepts as well. Check this out. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad, you kind of put me on the spot there. I mean, I spent the entire break thinking about, like, play calls and formations and whatever else. And I, I, uh, I told Borky, I was like, uh, that was 25 years ago. So fall yeah. of 1998 was my senior year in high school. 30 for me, almost. Yeah. So pro right 34 fall of 93. GT bootleg pass, probably my favorite play. So open left, fake to the fullback coming off your left hip, open farther left, you fake to the tailback going to the right, and mm. then you bootleg out to the left. And if you're in a pro right, you would have had – Tight end on the right side, flanker would have been off the line, and you'd have a split end on the eye. So it was a two-receiver set, one to each side, plus you had a tight end, and then an eye backfield. So you're rolling to the left, and then you've got like a like a backside post, you know, going toward the safety. Your tight end's running a drag route, and then maybe there's a go route on the, the left side. Probably would have been a favorite play mm-hmm. call. And then we we also would do a lot of slot, slot stuff, and sometimes we do an unbalanced slot. Where you might mm-hmm. go, you know, slot right, sprint right, and you're trying to kind of get everything flowing in that direction. Yeah. What would be what was fun though, and it I mean conceptually maybe this works better than it it worked in, in game action. So you get everything flowing right, and then you throw something on the backside. So if you were slot slot right with a tight end on the left side. Mm-hmm. And you've got a sprint right where you know everything's flowing to that side, and you get a safety who's not paying attention, and then you kind of throw back Just leak him the out. field to a tight end that kind of yeah. leaked out. That's fun yeah. stuff. I can still remember all my all the calls, you know, for for different blocks and you know the the, the cadence calls to the letter make sure everybody's on the same page and all that. Our, our cadence calls were states, so if we we're going on two, we would all say tech. We would, amongst other things, we would say Texas. And I, I always remember, by the middle of the second quarter, sometimes would somebody we'd say Texas, and somebody would say on the defense would be like California or whatever, and then they would jump all sides. It's like, yeah, it Beautiful. worked. It worked. Beautiful. We uh, uh, almost all of our pass routes were numbered, so we had hope like, they're not still using that. By the way, <laughs> they no, just gave I away mean, the whole like, system like, like five coaches ago. Um, yeah. But I mean, we had a passing tree where it was. One was a slant, two was a um, just a hitch, three was kind of like an inside drag route, four was an out route, five was a post, six was a post corner, seven was a fly, eight was like an out and up, and then nine was more like a bump yeah. hook. 
We didn't have any of that. We just you had a pass play, and the receiver knew what to do in that play. So if we okay. ran 32 power pass, they knew what they were supposed to run. Yeah. And then, you know, based More on ba- the numbers. We ran a lot of flood pass. Yeah, based on the, the number combination that you called for pass routes, you started at the strong yeah. side of the formation on the outside and then worked your way in from the numbers. So if you had like 757, yeah. you're starting on the right side or it's, you know. Anyway, sorry. You took me down the road and now I can't stop. My bad. Yeah. I had no idea, by the way, that the way we numbered the holes was different than basically every other high school in Mississippi. Like, well, I bring that up to people all the time and they're like, y'all did what? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, the like, the, the right like over cheek the center the for you center was, was, was zero. zero. Yeah, yeah well, that I mean, was fine. Like his right cheek was was zero, and his left cheek was one. Yeah. And then you work your way out two, four, six, eight. Even, eight was a sweep. The, the 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 center was five. Yeah, for us, that's crazy. Because I mean, yeah, when we were in trap plays, I mean, obviously those were fullback calls. It was either twenty trap or twenty one yeah. trap. Twenty four, twenty six. And and the crazy thing, I mean. This is like so inside baseball, but when you start, like when you very first start playing quarterback and you're in like, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth grade and you're trying to learn all these concepts and it's like, okay, everything even goes right, everything odd goes left, and then you're like, 20 trap. Open left, you moron! What are you doing? You gotta open left! Because the, you're, you're trapping that side and then he's, you know, going off the right cheek of the center. And then it's like, hold on, okay, so trap play, I'm opening opposite of the way the play ultimately is ended up, and golly, that was so uh, much fun. So much fun. My actual all-time favorite play, in G- I mentioned the other day in junior high, we ran the Notre Dame box, so we were in shotgun every play. We had a play called, it was our short yardage play, we called it box right screw, and we would go down set hut, and the quarterback who's in the shotgun would go into motion. Yeah. It had a hundred percent success rate. Jumping if it was sides. third and four, oh, we get them every time, every time. Just had to, I just had to make sure not to flinch when I'm sitting there with the ball. Like, yeah. don't flinch, Brian. Hey, fun afternoon with you Good on time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad's off tomorrow. He's going to be cooking. We're going to try and get him on the show, whether it's on VMIX. We should be able to get him on. Either, either a video call or we'll uh, check in with him. He's getting ready for a big cookout that he's having. Uh, it is home this weekend. We'll have a Food Friday presented by Fol- uh, Polks. And um, tomorrow night is Jamboree night for a big yeah. part of the state of Mississippi at the high school level. And then, um, is that right? Is it is it tomorrow night or the next week? I think tomorrow night is you got jamborees happening all there's, over the state. There, there were some jamborees last week for, for some schools. I would yeah. imagine there's jamborees this week, yeah. And MAIS games have already started. They've already begun the regular season at uh, a lot of MAIS schools. So uh, thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studio. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. We'll be back with you to wrap up the work week tomorrow. Till then, have a great night. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. 
MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.